we got here now. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Tree Actions. This is the uh, Human Forestry Podcast. This is Dwayne News here with Tony Trestle. And joining us today, our guest is Mark Chisholm. Mark, really uh, excited to have you join the show and uh, looking forward to our conversations about the human forest. Yeah, man, I'm, I appreciate you guys inviting me. When uh, when Tony reached out on Tree Buzz, I was like, hell yeah, I want to be a part of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just just because of our history and, and uh, you know, just as a group, I mean, we've all we've all known each other for how long? A long time. And, and <laughs> yeah. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's going to be good. Yeah, you know, we always uh, kind of kick things off with uh, kind of how how your journey in the human forest began, and you know, I know your I know part of your story, but I, I and you've said it before, but you know, for our listeners and those of you that may not know you as well, you know, how would you explain? How do you describe how your journey began in trees? <laughs> I'm curious what you're gonna say. <laughs> Uh, that's, a, that's a long story <laughs> i know I'll give you know, the short quick version and i'll give you the short version first and then you guys can take okay there and, and and uh okay you know pick and pull whatever you want that me but um i guess the easiest way to explain it is, is i'm a third generation arborist so uh it was part of our family history for a long time my dad's father got him started at a very young age if i'm not mistaken he'd done the work the first time when he was eight years old yeah and then you know i so i always knew tree care because ever since i was a baby my mother would take me and my brother to go see my father at work pick him up sometimes what maybe stop by and bring lunch once in a while just Memories like that. Even stopping by and seeing the guys, and they'd show me chainsaws and on my way to uh, you know, kindergarten and all that. And, uh, <laughs> my my official start personally, uh, I think I started really pestering my father to get on the crew because my brother was already on the crew when I was about twelve right. years old. And, and I just it all started from there, just jumping on the crew and getting yelled at for being in the way and then getting taught, you know, how to be productive and, uh, you know, a long, long story ever since that point and never stopped. Wow. Yeah, that is, uh, so can you recall what it was that got you? You know, we had, uh, Wendy Lee on the show here a couple of weeks ago and, you know, she remembers the first time she got up and she was, it was a test for this position and, it, you know, she had never been an arborist and she climbed up into the tree and she got up in the tree to the, the stage where they wanted her to go to a certain height. And she just knew like from that vantage point and, and looking at it where it was like, this is it. Do you do you feel that you had that at some point where it just got you or where there was something that just drove you like, this is what I really, really love? Uh, I probably had that moment more than once in different levels, <laughs> honestly, because, you know, when you start doing tree work, the beginning is just fun as can be when all of a sudden somebody gives you a rope and a harness and shows you how to even just body thrust up 10 feet and you're like oh wow i'm actually doing this and you know and like i said I, it was a long long time ago for me and i remember i remember um, not long after they taught me how to body thrust tie a taut line hitch of some sort it was a three three wrap taut line hitch back then the old spoon yeah. knot. 
Yeah, yeah, there's the speed knob for sure. If you don't tighten it, forget it. You're speeding down. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, I, I remember after they showed me that, we were it was like a group of us after work one day at my dad's house in the Siberian elm, which is not a very fun tree to climb in, of course, but that's what we had available right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember after that, um, just bugging him to, to, to do more of it over and over again. So we'd come home from work and I'd get the gear on and he'd sit and watch me and I'd climb a tree. And they took some pictures that, you know, surfaced recently. So I got a, got, I showed them in a PowerPoint recently, uh, just like a picture of me up in a tree and um, just explaining that I was practicing. But at that moment, you get up in a tree and you feel, um, to, to my memory, you feel uh, somewhat, for the first time comfortable up there is when it really grabbed me. I said, actually, you get to look around. You're not focused on what you're doing or if you're safe. You're actually sitting in a tree and looking at the wind blowing the tree and moving things and birds flying around you. And like, and, it, and then it really hits you that like, this is a, a feeling I never had before. And I think that's probably the first time I, I was like, oh, this is a really cool thing to do. Yeah. Uh, so do you remember what kind of uh, harness it was you were on? brand no but it's uh it was my dad's hand-me-down because at the time he gave me there was no harnesses that would fit me they didn't have like kids harnesses and i like i said i was 12 years old um my dad started climbing out of the uh i think when he first started climbing he was pretty small he had a harness that had a friction buckle so you could suck it all the way up if you needed (laughs) it was just a 4d ring saddle you know strap harness um and it had like a ring on one side to hang something and a clip on the other and that was it. It was no frills. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and I would say probably to add in the no frills part means no comfort. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's always interesting to to listen to what what uh what the first knot and the first hitch was. You know, my I remember the first I mean they called it a taut line. But it was two under, and then like uh, like two half hitches over top. So mm-hmm. it was two under, then one over, and then that was you took another half hitch over top. I and mean, you know that thing didn't roll or slide or nothing. It it stayed put, never got tight. Yeah. It worked like mm-hmm. a hot diggity ding dang, you know. <laughs> uh, and I don't know what what it what it was really called a rolling hitch or I think I saw it once described it. Or, but but it is interesting how now I'm curious. Did you what you know was your like my my initiation was get in the tree, go to the top, tie in. If you had try not to cut anything on the way up. If you did, make sure you had a good hold. You know, with both feet or your legs wrapped around something in one arm, and then you could cut with the one hand with your hand saw. But try to avoid it on the way up. Tie in and go. Was that you know? It seemed like for a lot of people that was pretty standard. What were you tied in all the time, would you think, in the beginning? Or? No, 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 no. Back then, I think, you know, even in the competition, people are floored when I tell them this. Even in the competition, the first year I saw them, I didn't, even when I started climbing, actually, it was a similar uh, thing where you were allowed to free climb up to 15 feet as long as you had a three-point hold, mm. like two hands and a foot or vice versa. Yeah. <laughs> that just yeah. makes me laugh nowadays. Not so safe, but yeah. well, the way we the way it was, you know. Yeah. Well, the the original tree climbing comps, like you know, the work climb, you started from the ground, right? Like you didn't yeah. It, yeah. It, yeah. before they changed to the masters format and stuff. The work climb, like you started from the ground, and if the tree had a bunch of branches, yeah. you jumped up in it and you started climbing. 
And yeah, yeah. it was funny. Like it, now it would just be what, what we did then. And we considered like, well, you know, top of the line, like people, I would cringe now if I'd seen it. You know, oh yeah. Then. You know, it's just amazing. We didn't, <laughs> we didn't hurt ourselves more actually. Um, yeah. yeah. It's amazing. You know, talk about, uh, even when we start, first started doing footlocks, um, we had to use a Prusik when I started, but right before I started, you could just do an online rest with no Prusik and you could climb with no Prusik. As long as you can demonstrate, you can sit there and take a break with no yeah, time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember that. I remember that too. And, uh, and I did it like, and you know, we would go up, you know, yeah, it didn't split the rope. seem like a big, big deal to go up 40, 50 feet. You know, I, I yeah. the trees I was climbing on, I never had to go like 780 or 90, but I probably would yeah. have if I, you know, it just was fast, right? And it was fast and easy. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if it became just as fast and easy with the Pressic. I think it did more or less with the Pressic. But, um, you know, I, I, I'm curious, Mark, do you find it just seems like just so many people don't even look at it anymore? Like, it, do you think it's just really that bad of a technique, like even with the with the Pressic? Like, is it just that much harder on the body that it's just it's it actually will never – virtually be used again like it just seems like nobody uses it anymore i think for nostalgia purposes or honestly it's one of the best things to do to train for tree climbing to be a good tree climber if you you do that like like regularly i'm not saying you gotta do it daily like we did in the competitions but if you do that you won't be in in anything but the best shape of your life for tree climbing purposes i feel like so yeah i don't think it's a very thing because of that what i'm saying is hmm. it's very difficult and it physically challenges your body all the time so i uh, put it in perspective the last time my footlock really footlock was at the last north american championship i did it in <laughs> in 2015 i haven't footlocked since really oh i shouldn't say that i did it at Tritopia. You know, I want to right. win because everybody pushed me in the ring to do it so <laughs> but i never do yeah. it work I never practice it anymore. I'm not saying I might may do it, but just to, to physically train and, and have fun with it. Right, right. I remember for me when I would be training with it, like for the comps and stuff and doing a lot of it, especially when I was training, it wouldn't happen work-wise because I used it at work. But when I would train with it, I would find I'd always split my, my – my, the pads on my fingers would, would split. Like they they yeah. they pull sideways and – I'd, I'd yeah. open up. It was, and it would give, cause quite a bit of discomfort. But that would only happen when I trained. It seemed like the repetitiveness, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, no I, doubt. No, Mark, I agree with you. Like a lot of, like you get newer climbers coming in and they're going right to you know stationary rope techniques, and a lot of them have a hard time basically keeping their bodies upright because they lack yeah. a certain amount of core strength and balance. And footlocking will teach you that. Like, oh yeah, like it will take every muscle in your body and it will make it better for tree climbing. But then it also teaches you how to kind of hold yourself up in that that point of balance that you need, not mm-hmm. just for foot locking, but also for like the single rope techniques. Like you can't lean back too far. You can't lean in too forward. And and I've seen it, you know, doing training a number of, of newer climbers, like they're struggling with, you know, like ascent rope techniques because they just don't mm-hmm. have the strength to do it. So just have them start foot locking a little bit. And if they stick with it, then it kind of it kind of gets them in shape. They hate you for it. But, you know. And then, but, you know, and then you start putting rocks in their ditty bag and tying, you know, making them heavier. But it's, but that's all part of the guilt yeah. and shame, which was family training, you know, back in the day. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Yeah, but I kid you not, I, I would footlock 
daily to get in good shape to get to that that championship form. You know? So yeah. it wasn't yeah. to, to get better at footlock and either really necessarily. It was to, to get better at tree climbing, to get more agile, get more explosiveness, get more strength, like you said. Yeah. Um, I can't yeah. think of something that trains you better. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, yeah, I don't know if the, uh, the record will ever change with Mr. Kilpatrick there because it just isn't getting done anymore. Yeah, I don't think so. I think, yeah, and it's not the same consistent thing anymore, right? We're not really doing it to 15 meters and this and that and all that. But you know what? I actually, I really, I really feel blessed that we had that in our competition for so long. Because I think it was, it it was and still is to me the only event that you could really trace back in time and put yourself against people who did it for the entire history of the competition. Like I could talk to Sam Noonan, and Sam would be like, "Yeah, well, I did it at forty feet at this 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 mark, and and so and so did it at this time." And you can really yeah. feel like you're 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 you know you can understand how whether you're you're doing good or or not so good, and and there's a nice connection there, and it's a real. It's a real purest way to climb a tree too, right? It's a knot and a rope. There you go. Yeah, no, you make a good point there. I never thought of it like that. You know, my son, for example, who's competing now and, and mm-hmm. he, you know, grew up like you did, sort of only second generation though, but like watching the comps and, you know, he 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 was quite impressionable when Frank set the record. And so he knew Frank and would see him regularly and thought, man, like one of these days I'm going to do that, you know, and now here he is, you know, maybe getting close to where he might actually go to the international and uh, he won't have to footlock, you know, and he's a little joked about it. Like he's, he's, he's like, like, how am I ever going to be able to do or to even to see where I would rank against like yourself or Frank or anyone, like you say, I never, it it seems like it is a bit of a loss there and what a, a, you know, yeah, like it doesn't matter what kind of tree it is. It doesn't matter where you are. Like it's a hunk of rope at forty feet, and you you can yeah. make it or break it, right? Or measure your time, yeah. and it's quite a yeah, yeah. Yep. I don't know. Maybe it should be. A, I don't know. I think if they tried to, well, I guess they couldn't bring it back. But I guess you could always have. Well, they still do the race, though, right? At the end, do they still? Do yeah, that? they do. Uh, head to head footlock. I think. I mean, the last time I was there, I, I missed it after COVID. This last year, I didn't make it there, but. Yeah, I plan to be there this year. But, but yeah, I think I just think uh, you know when you think about obviously we all we all on this call right now we all have been brought in with the idea of like how do we make this event better? You were behind the scenes saying okay, people would ask you like what do we do? And you get on committees yeah. and such. And you think about how do you make it more exciting for a spectator? I don't know if there's any event more exciting for a spectator in like a head-to-head race of some sort where they don't even have to know anything about your time. They'll just sit there and watch and be like, oh, that was really fast yeah. or that was really slow or that was good. He beat him. He beat, he beat this yeah. one. I think that's that's something that gets lost without a, just a flat-out race. Um, but obviously, I, I love the work on event too for that reason. And the Masters is fantastic too. But, mm-hmm. you know, as a spectator, you know, they don't always understand things like throw line in this new speed no. descent event it's kind of like well what are we doing what do you how did he beat so-and-so he was faster and you know whatever yeah i guess <laughs> i mean i <laughs> i see the evolution that you know the footlock turned into a scent event and 
I support it in the fact that the ITCC has always been a thing of like, you know, driving innovation and change in the industry. But I think I side more with you because, you know, there's value in having simplicity and, you Mm -hmm. know, in that gauging like that, that, that history back. Plus the other thing is, and and I see this, it's not necessarily a problem at the ITCC or the North American or even the Europeans, like the bigger regional comps, but I've helped out with um, smaller, you know, chapter level comps. They don't have the personnel or the tech or the expertise to run an ascent event. Yeah. They just don't. Right. And it's a, it's a lot right. to ask of a chapter. So now, mm-hmm. you know, that that's, it's part of the event. There's, you know, there's, there's men and women going to the competition. They just don't have the experience. And whereas everyone mm-hmm. could run a footlog event, you might not have a tree that's 15 meters, but you know, you can set up a footlock, you know, like you could do yeah. it, you know, and if you could yeah. footlock 30 feet, you can footlock 50, you know, it's, it's and, yeah. and I think a lot has been, I think the, that evolution especially the direction it went with the ascent event being almost too complex. I mean, I'm a climber and I get bored. I'm like, this is too, this is too much, man. You know, like there's too many details here. Um, I wanted to see a race. I didn't necessarily want to tear the car apart, um, you know, and build it, but it's, I I see both sides of it, but I think the biggest downside, I think for me with with the way that evolved was it puts a lot of pressure on the chapters and the smaller competitions to literally put that event together and put it together safely. You know, and I mean, I've been a part of competitions where like, well, we're just not going to do this. And I, and I would support that decision because it's better not to do it than to do something. Well, to go to go back to the days where we're free climbing 15 feet, you know, <laughs> it's like, because while well, those days were great, you know, we don't need to go back there. We've learned those lessons, you know. <laughs> well, let, let's shift gears a little bit. And I want to make it all about the ISA comp. And I, I mean, maybe that's what everyone's expecting us to talk to you about, Mark, because you're quite known for that. But. You know, of all people we've had on the show, I'm really curious. You know, we call it the Human Forestry Podcast, and 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 it's people talking about their experiences about being in the tree world, not not just professionally, but also personally. And and you know, with being third generation, and you know, your your family's involvement in in New Jersey, and I'm I'm curious how you would respond to, to the this question about how being in the trees has affected you as a person your your family your personal life you you yourself um how, how is there a way you could describe that or do you like how has being a tree guy all your life growing up and it affected you and been a part of who you are made it made who you are today well, I can't find any way to separate it. Honestly, I don't. I don't see who I would be without the tree world. I, I can't envision that that guy, Mark Chisholm, whatever the tree world. You know, and I I sit here today with you guys, just saying that I'm 100 grateful for every minute of it. Okay, what 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 time you talk about? Whether it's competition, it's on the job site, it's traveling, it's talking to you guys like yourselves. I mean, there's nothing I regret about it. It's just. That's why I feel so good about recommending it as an industry to young people. When I go talk to students, I, I'm telling them like from the heart, there's just, you'd be hard pressed to find something that um, is better to do with your time for your whole entire career, unless you just don't like doing that type of work or being outdoors. I understand that, you know, but right. if it's a fit for you, it's it's just so good. I mean, you know, I think about <sighs> It's, it permeates every part of my life, right? Even my kids, they're not, they're not even part of the industry per se. My stepson was for a while, but he's in construction now. But um, even my kids know a lot about tree care and, and like all the big things we talk about. 
I know you don't talk trees. I don't know any tree burning. I know how to hire a professional and why. They know, you know, what's what's dangerous about the industry and how you can you can mitigate that danger and that risk. So um, there's no way for me to really separate it from any part of my life. And, and I don't mm-hmm. regret it. Like I, like people say, oh, well, you work with family. I don't know, man. It's like, I don't know a family function or dinner where we didn't talk about trees or tree work or something, you know, kind of because mm-hmm. that's the way we are. And the, what I should do is, is send this out to all the rest of the family that's not part of tree care and make this a, a, a announcement of, I apologize for boring you guys for so many years <laughs> talking about trees and every Thanksgiving, every Christmas and you guys, yeah. but it rubbed off on them too. Like they, yeah. everybody, everybody in my family has a sense of pride built around tree care and what tree care means. Cause they come to Thanksgiving wearing steel t-shirts and hats and, and, you know, and talk about, show me pictures of what they're doing in their yard and the tree they planted. And like, it's, it's just, it's about everybody now. Right. I don't think mm-hmm. it's, there's yeah. nothing negative about it. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, and, and do you think, you know, even the way you just approach life, like, I guess for myself, and I guess that's where I'm kind of going with it is, you know, I think of the connectiveness of people and in relation to how forests are grown and connected. I think of, you know, how, you know, learning more about how trees share nutrients between species to help one another. And I, I think, you know, that's a lot like, like, like arborists and people in general that, that are connected, you know, and and I, I always seem to somehow like, I look at Woundwood and think about, wow, how's that like us, like people, you know, and how trees seal off injuries and, you know, they don't, mm-hmm. they don't go away, but they, they grow over them and around them and incorporate them and it changes who they are. You know, like, do you ever find yourself doing is that like stuff like that or think about that? Like, like, that's what I yeah. mean. Like how, how trees are such an example. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, this made me think of 10 different things when you were going through the SPO, but I mean, just just think about how the rest of the world uses terminology that is very much like tree care terminology. Like, like when they talk about like how people deal with tough times in their life, what term do they use? Compartmentalization. You right. Know? So I think of yeah, people have you know kind of code it right. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also think on the connectivity part, the tree care roots go everywhere yeah. in this world, like under the ocean floor from one continent to another, like there's, there's no place in this world. I can't reach out and say hello to somebody and then go see them and become immediate friends for life. Yeah. You know, I got yeah. friends like you all do. And anybody probably listen to this podcast, if you're out there participating yeah. in the industry, you know, like you, you meet people and there's an instant connection and yeah. there's a friends for life. And it just doesn't matter yeah. where you're from. True. True. It's really cool that way too. I think it's a, uh, you know, and I don't know. I mean, maybe it is part of other industries as well, but you know, and you know, for people like us, I think the competition has, has certainly played a part in that, you know, because it, it's created that, that, um, you know, that, that once a year gathering where, you know, we all really can connect and feed off one another, you know, and even, it's interesting now since COVID, there's been that kind of interruption in that. But as you know, it, it looks like it's, t- you know, I haven't been to one since and I, I'm not planning, to, I won't be at Albuquerque, I don't think. Who knows? But uh, 
it's, uh, you know, I wonder if, you know, because we have like, like tree buzz now and the, and the social mm-hmm. network that exists, it, we're able to keep that connection going, you know, far and wide. Maybe, maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. I think, well, I mean, in all honesty, uh, you, you know, I know Tony must know this from years and years of being on tree buzz, but that was where my first idea for tree buzz came to be. It was because of what you just said. When we would go to a competition or a TCA expo and I would see the value in being around each other, networking, discussing ideas, things, whatever. And then we would leave and we're like, Oh, I'll see you next summer. And like, how much time are we losing? You know, I'm not being able to continue this conversation. So tree buzz for me was, okay, what can I do with this internet? That would be useful. And it seemed like the, the no-brainer was like, let's continue our conversations at home. I'll see you online. And you can do it any hour. It doesn't matter on your time zone. And it's very, it was easy to track because you give it a title and say, hey, what do you guys think about this? And then you can just visit it daily and catch up and read what people are thinking. And I can't tell you how many people have contacted me saying how much being a part of the forums on TreeBuzz have helped them in so many parts of their life and it's not me it's the it's the, the members like you said everyone's sharing it's just a it's a blessing so that's why i still keep it going you know when you mentioned it I mentioned them helping them in parts of their their life mark like do you think people like if people conveyed it's not just professional but also personal in some way i i'm just curious yeah oh yeah for sure i mean i've seen I've seen people just reach out for help on a number of different things in a number of different ways and everybody just jumping in trying to help out. And sometimes it wasn't even really, I guess, uh, something that was obvious or they asked for it, but you can pay attention. You noticed somebody needed something, something was going on in their life, in their private life maybe. And I would, all of a sudden people were messaging each other and saying, hey, uh, you know, do you need some help with this or do you want to, you know, you want to take a break or don't visit? You know, Vacation, what have you. Um, so I've seen a lot of, really, uh, you know, really, really uh, heartwarming things go on where people are reaching out just out of their kindness and their heart to help one another, which, you know, and you, you see it too when somebody has a hard time. Oh, somebody's talking about their, their injury. They had an accident and everybody's jumping in saying, hey, let's, let's start a fund. Let's send, let me send money. Do you need help? You need someone to come do work for you for, uh, you know, two weeks or what have you. You know, so it's it's just such a cool cool thing to see and be a part of. Yeah, no, that is really. You go ahead, Tony. Now, Tree Buzz has been unique too, Mark, and and just the longevity of it. Because what was it, two thousand and four, three or four? You started it, I think. Because mm-hmm. I was a because mm-hmm. I joined pretty soon after because you came you down did. and spoke at Pendel. Like, I mean, you and Tom, I think, had just fired it up like within a couple months, and like, oh, that's cool, and um, and it, I mean. That's a good question there. I think it was 2003. I think it was 2004 um, that you came down. I think you started at 2003. Right in that. It doesn't matter. 20 plus years. It was a little bit before that. Um, I started thinking about it um, and starting to get quotes for it at the end of 1999. I didn't come alive until late in 2001. Okay. When it really started. But it wasn't very – it was kind of like – the birth of it so we got everything fired up and running before we started inviting people and we right. put it out there where people could really find it until probably into 2002 and three. yeah that's so you're probably right about when it really started to yeah. 
And, and I just, you know, <laughs> and in the, you know, the, the 20 years now, it's like, I've been, you know, on and off, like your way, everything yeah. has its season, you come and go and I've seen yep. the people come and go. And I don't have a lot of experience with online forums, but I imagine a lot of them don't last 20 plus years. Um, you know, just, no, I don't think so. And I think with the, and I would, thing. yeah. And I would commend you and, and, you know, how you've run it and the systems you've put in place. Cause it's stayed you know, pretty much the same, you know, it hasn't, I mean, it's grown, it's evolved, things have changed, but it's still just mm -hmm. a great community of climbers. And, you know, you get the occasional oddball in there, like <laughs> whatever, you know, like, which is, which is funny in and of itself. But yeah. I mean, and, and I think back, you know, I think probably why I've stuck with it for 20 years is it's a touchstone on the industry. I learned things on there that would take me weeks for the information to trickle to me about people and individuals. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a chance to give back, but it's, it's like I said, it was that, it was that, you know, that like the climbing competitions, you know, you'd get to do two or three a year in person. And then that, that was it. And they were mm -hmm. usually clustered in the busy months. And it was yep. like the tree buzz really allowed that to, you know, to extend. And it's been it's good. And I know that there's been other arborist sites that have come and gone um, and some that are here or there. But I think tree buzz does a yep. great job of doing exactly what you designed it to do is just be a place where mm -hmm. tree people can hang out, learn some information, share some ideas, um, you know, and just and just sort of watch the industry grow from there. It's been great. Yep, and I met a lot of people because of tree buzz and like like lifelong friendships over tree buzz too. Just you meet online, and the next thing you know, you don't. You know, it's funny for me. You probably experienced this too. I'm guessing, but mm -hmm. you go to a trade show or to an ITCC, and someone comes up and introduces themselves. Hey, I'm so and so. You're like, hey, nice to meet you, and then they tell you their screen name or tree buzz. I'm like, oh, that's you. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it's like funny. Right. You know, it's really interesting. It, it, like, it, I, I hadn't made the connection before, but it's 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 really its own human forest. It's another little forest in and of itself, right? Like, it's such an example, the tree buzz, you know, because you got all these people connected on it, right? I, mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, and and you know, the interesting. Well, yeah, it's uh, and an old an old growth forest at that. You know, being mm -hmm. around for so long, you know, these old connections. Um, you talk about um, people getting help, you know, and for in personal ways as well. Um, you know, we we've talked a little bit about this on the show, but do you think that arborists in general? Well, I don't even know if in general. Do do you think that arborists struggle more or differently with with personal things or with 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 things like? I don't know, you know, the high adrenaline activity of tree work, you know, that they look for high adrenaline recreational activities too, or is there, and that creates other problems. Do you think that is something that's in this industry or is it connected or is it just. That's a good question. Uh, I would think it's, it's, I don't know that I would say it's an industry thing as much as it is the type of person that really thrives in the industry that maybe you know, is that type of individual that likes to do things that are similar to what you're saying. But I think the struggle for some may be when they're no longer able to do it because of an injury or something. It really bothers individual because they're, they're sitting inside doing rehab and they can't get out and do that. But they also they can't do all the other things they do as well that are maybe you know high level activities like i don't know what you guys all do i know some of it i've seen you ski blah 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 but you know i play hockey i play golf i, I you know i'm active outside of tree care so i think an injury uh, 
beats us up because if you can't be physical, um, mm. that's, that's tough to take. Right, right, right. Well, and not only that, like, you know, it, if you, you know, I think sometimes, you know, it is such a difficult, physically demanding work. And then, you know, it's like the, you know, the goal is to get to that estimator position or that maybe even start a tree company, you know, and, and now you're, you're doing more estimates or you're doing more human resource management or that type of thing. And next thing you know, you know, you're not, you know, able to footlock anymore very high or even at all or whatever. And then mm. making that transition, if you don't, you know, maybe that's part of it too. And, you know, you know, cause it's hard to maintain a recreational activity that keeps you in and shape as active tree work does. You know, well, like you, it, sure. it, it's a pretty, it's pretty a, physically demanding occupation. Yeah. I think for me, yeah. it took a, it took yeah. a, an understanding of the difference. Like, you know, you, it took me a long time to accept that I didn't have to be in the shape I was when I was a tree climber. Like, and it, and it took for years, I wasn't happy with myself unless I was at that peak condition where I could, you know, I could do a tree competition. If I wasn't in that kind of condition, then I was, I would, my, my, my thinking would take me to the extreme worst side of it where, I was absolutely, you know, and I've had, it's been a, a journey to accept that, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. You know, I don't have to be able to footlock 50 feet in 15 seconds or less in order to still be <laughs> in decent shape and be, you know what I mean? Like, and I yeah. not judge myself, be easier on myself because until I was able to do that, I being hard on myself created other problems, you know? Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, there's a lot to be said about that whole, process of being able to 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 deal with different things on the level you're talking about i think you know when i when i competed for a long time i thought about that you know when i started getting to be or to a point where i expected i couldn't do it anymore because i'm like i don't know about anybody else but when i was growing up there i had like just telling me well you better figure something out before you get to be my age because you can't do it anymore when you get to be my age and i'm like thinking back now they were like 35 you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little premature, you know what I mean? And I hear it now, and it drives me nuts even too. When I hear people yeah. like 35 or 40 saying, you know, like, uh, I don't, I don't want to time forever. I'm getting old, this and that. Like, I don't, I don't think that's true. I think if you don't want to climb, there's a different reason because you're not old to climb. I mean, I mean, I'm still sitting here climbing all the time, you know, but. Uh, yeah, I remember thinking about that, and I thought, you know, okay, well, when am I going to stop competing? I thought the end of competition for me would be when I felt like I couldn't compete on the level I wanted to, just exactly what you were saying. Like I would get to that level and say, you know, I'm done. I, I just I don't feel good about it anymore. And I don't want to be a negative influence on anybody, but that never really happened. Um, you know, so it's eye opener for me where I realized there's a lot of misinformation that goes into things that we we think is uh like good information it turns out it's not good information you know what I mean? yeah yeah you know mark you you, you really have been a you know it, it, my brain starts thinking to where you know some trees live longer than others you know and, and they're the same species and everything about them is the same but some live way longer than others and you know your tree is 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 an example i think to many and you know i remember one time having a chat with you and, uh, 
you you were saying like you're a little nervous about not competing because you may like how it might affect you you know some to that yeah. effect and i remember it stuck yeah, yeah. out for me because you know i unfortunately mark i i made you know i made it was partly i felt like it partly happened to me but i think i somewhat allowed it to happen and i i i stopped focusing on the physical aspect of my own just mental of my own health really and and you know i could blame it on you know the business and work but uh you know there was other factors but you know you were always someone and there's a few of you and and there's not a lot like you guys are in a minority crowd that have maintained the level like dan kraus is in that category i think with you and there's yeah. others like danny leblanc competed for long tier you know there, most of us have long retired and gotten too old for it, or say we have, but you've always mm -hmm. stood fast and in and been an example of what's possible. And I think that's really amazing what you're sharing there, like because it is something you hear, and you guys have, have shattered some of those paradigms and shown the way how. But maybe, yeah. um, what do you think it was like, like that that made it for you be different? You know that that, and how did you do it other than just physically staying active like mentally keeping yourself in that place of competition and so on and what drove you to do that versus you know other people well just for yourself i'm curious wow that's a deep question uh, i don't even I know, know if i, I could really articulate it that well to be honest with you because it's, it's such a part of me as a person honestly and it's yeah. not even yeah. just me as a person it's also who influenced me throughout my entire career or in my life you know there's just been yeah. so many different types of influences that i think make me the type of person i am and make all of us type people we are but so i don't know that i could even like really give it you know the right answer i guess or a real accurate answer but i'll tell you um, i i started doing a presentation uh, a couple of years ago i did it at expo i think two years ago um, i did a talk called longevity as an arborist and when I created that PowerPoint and that presentation and that discussion, I, I had to think of all these things and what makes makes me stay in it for the long haul and on what level. And I, because it was a presentation, I didn't go as in, in depth as we could go in a conversation. But um, the simplest way I can explain is I, I basically threw three pillars out there saying these are three very important pieces of being an arborist for the long haul or being in almost anything for the long haul. One for me was safety because as we all know, if we're not safe, we're not going to be in this industry for very long because either you're dead or you're hurt bad and you can't do it. That's the, the you know the honest truth about it. Um, mm -hmm. The second pillar for me was about being a student for life because I think, one, it allows you to keep growing, which allows you to be engaged. But two, um, being a student for life means you're going to get better and you're not going to feel stagnant or not be able to improve at what you do so you you mm -hmm. you kind of don't see a ceiling in what you're doing you don't say oh well i'll never be as good as i am right now where a lot of i think athletic people kind of hinge on they say i'll never be as good as i am today i'm at my my peak but i don't ever feel like i hit my peak because it, the peak is always changing you know we always had new technology new things new ways of doing things that i like you know i'd sit here and tell you like if you talk to my guys at work, they tell you I'm probably just as productive or more productive than I was 10, 15 years ago, just because of, you take that in and you move through it. So that's like the pillar two. Pillar three would be because tree care is an athletic event, so to speak, whether you're competing or not, um, mm -hmm. 
I would say the physical fitness and everything that keeps you physically fit is wrapped into that third pillar. So that would be physical training or fitness, if you will, um, nutrition, rest, and even rehab if you get injured or such. So I think those are mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the three big parts for me. But but there's more. As we, you know, you kind of touched on a little bit. I don't talk about the mental aspects other than saying engaged and trying to be engaged within the community that makes you want to come back and be part mm-hmm. of the industry. Because without that engagement, I think it's a very difficult industry to stay in long term because you feel like you're you know, getting beat up daily and there's not a lot of reward outside of just making money so you can make money elsewhere. So um, Mm. I think the engagement is key. I think being a part of things like this, being having friends that do what you do everywhere in the world is what keeps me really active and wanting to be part of it no matter what. And Mm. I got friends like, uh, I'll call them out right now. You guys know Todd Kramer, a good friend of mine in Chicago. Mm Mm-hmm. Same age as me. We, we, we competed many times against each other at the internationals. We also speak, we talk, you know, at mm-hmm. you know, trade shows, what have you. So it's very similar upbringings. Family business started about the same time as my family business, his dad, his mom, all this. Um, yeah. But he sits here today and he'll, he'll, he'll message me on like, say Instagram. He'll see me like show, show a story of me taking a tree down or something. He goes, dude, he's like, stop climbing there. What are you doing? You know, <laughs> you, know you don't need to do this anymore. What are you doing? And making fun of me, but on a good way. He's like, it's not, a, it's not a, a bad thing at all. He's joking with me because no, no, he knows that that's what how he is. But, yeah. And he's right. Like, and, it, and it, again, it makes me really look at it and say, yeah, I don't have to do this anymore. It makes me say, yes, I want to do it. That's why I'm doing it. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a very important part, but I think about this when I talk to my kids or other young people now, and I think about like, you know, the real importance, I think for all of us to define our life is doing something you feel is worth your time, something you enjoy doing and something where, you know, most people don't realize it, it is like this, but something where you actually feel like you're doing things for other people or giving back or, you know, benefiting mm-hmm. the world in some way. That's the real joy in life to me is like, Finding finding something you're good at that can be a gift to someone else and then giving it away. Wow, Mark, that's a that, that that's that's something I'm learning more to be very true. And uh, you know, having been a trainer, you know, I think in some ways you're always giving giving away or giving back. But but it it's been impressed on on me even more. And you can only keep that which you have by giving it away. And and it's yeah. it's so true. And and being connected, you know, there's something about uh, being part of a community and sharing, you know, and and talking and and really talking about how you feel and having those connections, like you know, you and you and Todd joking with one another, or in being able to have that connection and and uh, it, there's it. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's like the mycorrhiza or whatever, but it's that secrets that 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 part of things that's sort of intangible that that. I don't know. It, there's something about it, you know, it's spiritual or social or both a combination thereof, but you know, it's outside of the physical in some ways, you know, it's a metaphysical type thing and, and it's necessary, yep. you know, it, it's extremely yep. necessary and, and you, you've clearly tapped into it. You know, you're, you're more than just in the trees in the physical sense, you know, you're not in it for just, staying in shape or for making money. Like there's more in it for you than that. And that's obvious because you're still in it and you're, you're doing stuff like this. Like the fact that, you know, you would take time to, to have this conversation with us. Isn't it just an example and a testament to that? And, 
appreciate it's that. Really I don't cool. take credit for it, honestly. Like you, you know, it's like you know, I I, I can't take credit for things people try to give me credit for. It's just what I was taught to do by people and mentors or important people in my life. And you know, so it's a it's, it's a big mm-hmm. it's a big part of who I am too. Like to answer your question, it's like how do you separate mm-hmm. yourself from everyone who influenced you? You really can't, you know. So no. I can't even I can't even give credit to to the people who've who've made me who I am, good or bad. But I definitely would love to to be able to do that. There's just so many people I've, I've crossed paths with, and I think one thing I learned from from these people is you know trying to see what you can what you can learn and benefit from from everyone you meet, no matter where they're, they're at or what you're doing, because uh, there's a lot of value in that for sure. So you mentioned a couple of times about people that you learn from, and I realize, Mark, your your connections are vast, and there's been you know you learn from yep. everyone, and I appreciate that. But is there yep. any one in particular that that kind of stick out for you, and that are like oh, like yeah. like mentors that in your life that you you would be willing to mention or could talk about, and how that how that relationships helped you? Well, yeah, I mean, there's just so many. Sorry if I got distracted here. I was actually sitting here behind my house by the pool area because I wanted to be like somewhere quiet. And I noticed the chipmunk fell in the pool and couldn't get out. So I just had to go rescue him. So I got a chipmunk in the skimmer here. I'm trying to get him to, to take a walk, but he's, he's too tired, I guess. Um, but, but yeah, now back to your regular programming. Um, yeah, so, rescue complete. That's yeah, awesome. I was rescuing the chipmunk. Yeah. You know, I'm an animal lover. If you don't know that about me, you're doing. But, um, That's awesome. Yeah. Um, just put them outside in the grass so the dog don't get them now. But, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> mentors, I mean, I, I could tell you how many mentors I have. There's so many, but I guess the biggest ones that I could really, that are easy, you know, kind of low hanging fruit would be my family first and foremost, you know, obviously, yeah. you know, my parents, my father started me in the tree business, but he also started me in tree climbing and started me in, physical fitness started me and you know all the things you know work ethic everything you can think of that i feel is very important i think want to start from people like my father um, i've got a lot of other mentors uh, family members even like um yeah i just lost my dad's mom a couple weeks ago she was 95 um wow. one thing one thing that she was really you know one thing i really reflect on after she had passed and actually before when we would talk still to that point but um i always thought about how she was such a positive person everywhere you go everybody who you ever whoever met her always said she's always friendly always trying to help everybody she always would do anything she can to help people and she was always happy regardless of what was going on in her personal life even up until the moment when she passed and she was unhealthy for last whatever short period of time she still was like you know uh, anyone she talked to she was like trying to be someone that they remembered and said, wow, what a great person, what a great individual and what a positive influence on the world. You know, so um, I think there's a lot to be said for just that, just the the consistency. I mean, imagine being on this planet for 95 years and the week you're dying, you're still trying to influence people you cross paths with that are perfect strangers and make them smile, you know? Mm, So, you know, that's, that's somebody I would point out, you know, it had nothing to do with tree work, but on the tree care side of things, I often credit um, so many people that we all know. I mean, I mentioned Sam Noonan before. Mm-hmm. The story a lot of people don't know is um, 
you know, some of my mentors locally in New Jersey got me to compete for the first time in my life when I was a teenager. They were like, hey, just come do it. And I didn't want to do it. So I skipped the first year. Finally, they pushed me enough where uh, when I, I think I think it was um, 1990 was my first competition in Jersey. And uh, the guys got me to do it and I didn't do so good. I was embarrassed. So it made me want to come back the next year and do something better. Um, just for me personally, I was me against me. And I just realized I, I wasn't happy with my performance and I didn't feel good about it. So I wanted to come back the next year and I did. And that got me to my first international and my first international in Philadelphia that year. I did the same thing. I was embarrassed by my performance and somebody witnessed it, saw something in me that day and said something and it was Sam Noonan. And uh, I just timed out at aerial rescue, got my line stuck, got my throw line stuck, had to fight my way up the tree and ended up timing out before I brought my, uh, my, my coworker down and he grabbed me cause he knew I was like hanging my head low and feeling probably a little embarrassed or whatever. And he's grabbed me. He said, listen, he's like, he's like, that was bad luck what happened with the ropes. I watched the whole thing. He said, you got really good talent, good skill, blah, blah, blah. You're a good partner. Like, don't give it another thought. He said, you better come back next year. You know, the world championships next year are going to be in my area in California. I want to see you there. And he kind of just smiled and said, don't make me come looking for you kind of thing. You know, I'm paraphrasing wow. now. But, uh, but, but I remember him reaching out, realizing I was in a moment where – maybe I wouldn't have come back and competed again because I was just like, you know, I'm done with this competition. I'm no good at it kind of thing, or I'm embarrassed or maybe I didn't see the value. Um, but he forced me to, to really look at it from a different perspective and realize like, you know, it's not really about what I'm focused on right now. It's about being part of it and look at mm -hmm. the people I'm meeting and, and things that are going to maybe influence my life. So I would, I would definitely, you know, say he's somebody, you know, there's just, there's countless people, you know, I talk about my family, my brother, um, mm. everybody in my family has influenced me in a good way, but three people like that I wouldn't have met without being part of some event by chance, like being part of, um, you know, the ITCC, you know, I wouldn't have been friends with like people like Graham McMahon in Australia, who um, mm -hmm. I credit for a lot of things with me now. Robert Phillips, as you, you, you guys know from California, um, mm -hmm. Jerry Baranek. You know, Jerry Baranek taught, taught me things um, on so many different levels, um, but he also gave me experiences that no one else could have. And he did it very, very selfish, selflessly um, and, you know, helped make certain things happen that like, are some of my best memories in tree climbing, climbing redwood trees with such great people, you know. So, you know, yeah. there's just countless people, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. And the competition – the competition was huge for that. You know, even people you're talking about, I would credit to helping me get to where I was or, or where I wanted to go or what, what goals I wanted to achieve. You know, even people like you mentioned Wendell Lee and, and all the all the competitors through the years. Just uh, yeah, what yeah. a great experience to be a part of it. I always tell everyone, if you could do something, one thing this year, one event this year, I would say a competition is where I would say that you could spend your time just go witness it yep. and you'd start to understand the camaraderie and the, and the networking yep. and the human aspect of the competition is just something that makes you want to be a part of it. That's why I competed for, you know, 24 years straight because I wanted to be <laughs> part of that event for that reason. It wasn't about winning or losing. I mean, I joke with people. I'm like, you can't find somebody who lost more times than me. There's nobody out there that lost more events than me. I'm the biggest <laughs> loser ever, but, but I'm also the greatest winner ever because of it. You know? 
Right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Babe Ruth of tree climbing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? more Ruth, he struck out more than anyone else, but he also hit the most home runs, right? Yeah. I think that's yeah. true. I think that I think that's true. Yeah. Something like it, but I never thought of it that way, Mark. What a great yeah. answer and great uh uh which is that was awesome. I and how you know it's so true how just one person's comment and and consideration, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. wanting to help and to to notice that you're a little down and yep. uh and just said, "Hey, man, you got what it takes. You you you, you really got it. You just had some bad luck." Which is, <laughs> let's face it, when it comes to the comp, if you take that too seriously, you're in trouble, right? Because yeah. it can just be so such yeah. one little silly, crazy thing, like it rained yeah. before you went in the work climb, or yeah. or you know, a little yeah. stub that you know. I remember losing a Masters once because of a stub, you know that. No one knew it was there, and it was just a weird. I remember the judge in the tree. My line got caught under this little, and I was thought I could just flip it in, and there was no way for me to know what was going on. And he was watching it, and he told me afterwards. He said, "Man, he said that you couldn't have had it more of a fluky, weird thing ever happen. Like it was just unbelievable, you know." And it's just, yeah. it's just, uh, it. You can't take that stuff too seriously, and really focus on, like you say, and. Uh, the experience that it was, you know, I think I'd been guilty at times of, you know, getting too much in my head and not 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 taking in what was really going on all around me and the benefit that it was. And maybe you were able to do that better, Mark. It certainly sounds like it. And it's just such a great inspiration to me in, in just even moving forward in my daily life now. And, uh, you know, your, your comment about your grandmother, you know, right until almost the day she died or even in the last week of her life, you know, wanting to help and encourage others that they get the common yeah. trait you see in, in people that yeah. live a good life. You know, it's what they're, mm. like you said, you keep, you give it away and, and that's, you only keep yep. it down by giving away. It's a really interesting comment. Yeah. And I think, wow. I think all these different people, um, I think they all somehow influence you in stages of your life too, right? Like you, you talk about being a teacher. To this day, I still think about what else can I do because I've done that a long time too, right? Sharing things, teaching people with different things, even, you know, works out for that. And then I think about things like Sam Noonan, and I realized my last number of competitions I've gone to, I tried to be like Sam Noonan in that regard. I look for people who maybe I could lift up, who I could cheer up, who I could, like, usher into this networking thing because it's their first time and I would and I would make an honest effort to to improve their experience that day and just make them want to be part of this like long term and I and I learned that from people like Sam and so many of you other guys you know and and girls out there it's just you know it's the one thing we can all do to help one another especially you know in something like a an event like this you know it should all it should always be an event where everyone walks away feeling like a winner you know you don't feel like it was a waste of your time in any way, shape or form. And you can't, you can't wait to come back and be a part of it again. That's what it should be. So I think we all should try to encourage each other to, to remember that. And uh, anytime we're at any three, two pair event, just, you know, try to make everyone feel like it was well worth their time and make them want to come back to the next one. You're making me think I should go to Albuquerque now. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't talk you out of it. (laughs) Yeah. That's coming. What is that? 
August. Yeah, it's in August, right? I just yeah, got the email week, today about. Yeah, I just got the volunteer form email. So, uh, mm-hmm. are, what what are you doing? Are you just going and watching? Are you going to uh, be? What are you doing? You no, know, not not sure yet. Um, I just started thinking about it myself, but I don't think I'm going to miss it. I think I'll be there, even if I can, even if I can only just jump in, watch the competitions, and leave real quick. Uh, I'm gonna make it one way or the other, but you know, not the week. So I, so I iron out all the other details first. Well, I might just do the same. Maybe we can just walk the walk yeah. the grounds together once at least. Yeah, sounds well, good. Yeah. Well, this has been a really great talk, Mark. I appreciate your your willingness. You know, I think you know, and it it can almost sum it up in the in the squirrel rescue. You know, you know. <laughs> yeah. well, I'm sitting, I'm sitting here. I'm like, oh, I see something in the pool swimming. I'm like, is that a snake or what is that? I go over. And I'm like, I, I, I'm not going to stop the podcast for it, but I'm going to rescue him while we're, I can't watch him die. For, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. And uh, and then you know, I, I asked you earlier uh, on about how the the how the tree world or being part of the trees has affected your, your life. And, you know, it is, a, it is a big question, but I mean, you've more than answered it. And you, you know, you've been talking so much about the connections and about influence and how, mm. you know, and, and it's literally, it's interesting, even the whole growing up aspect, how, you know, Sam Noonan was a bigger tree and you were a younger tree growing up and, you know, he gave you a little encouragement and, you know, Sam's still part of the forest. It's not like Sam's oh, yeah. tree is gone. Right. But mm. other trees have, have grown in its stead and there's, there's new ones coming along and our forest just continues to grow. And that, that's, yep. uh, I think and, and he, his name keeps coming up and we always garner people from, uh, from each podcast for mm-hmm. our next one. And I think like Tony Todd and Sam are certainly two. We need to give a call to. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of people. You're, you're never going to run out of enough. You're never going to run out of people that are, you know, worthwhile having on your podcast in this industry. It's just there's so much cool stuff going on. Yeah, and uh, it was funny when I, when we had Don Blair on. You know, before I had a couple conversations when we were out when I was asking him to to get on, and uh, he said, you know, that after we were done, he said, this is such a great thing. He said, you know, Dwayne, when 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 an old when an arborist dies, a library burns down, and mm-hmm. uh, and he said, it's just True. great to have uh, some sort of uh, a mechanism to, to record it or to document some of it. That's that, yeah. that you know, a little bit of history and then yep. a little bit of the essence of who we all are as arborists, I, I, I think, is what's kind of cool. And, and uh, yeah, we mm-hmm. anyway. It's been, it's fun. It really is a lot of fun. And uh, we also don't have a, a, you know, it's when you talked about tree buzz in the beginning, how mm-hmm. it kind of got started, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're not, you know, this isn't an advertised thing. Like we're not with this yep. is just, yep. it's, it, it's, uh, it's just kind of people share the link and it's, it's slowly growing and, and we're just keeping it that way. And, and, uh, it just reminded me a little bit of that, but yeah, um, it's, it's not like it's unadvertised. It's just it's not on the open podcast market. You got to hear about it from somebody that heard about it from Dwayne and I. That's right. what we're after. Yeah. So we'll put something up on the it. buzz. You know, it's not. It's, yeah. we're not trying to hide it or keep it private. It's just we no, wanted it. No. We wanted it to grow and spread like a tree, and tree mm-hmm. roots grow and spread. Like there right. comes a connection. Yeah. Like you don't just one day you're searching on Apple Podcasts and like oh tree actions. You know, yeah. out of the blue. We wanted it to That's come cool. from somebody so that it 
it always goes organic. back. Organic. Yeah. So tell everybody you want. It's yeah. not a secret or anything. And we'll put something. Yeah. Up. yeah. Right, 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 but what right. I didn't want to do is have it like, you know, there not be a connection to the buzz and just put on there and say, hey, check this out. You know what I mean? There needed to be some type of um, some type of, of organic structure there. Some sort of root. It's like, yeah, no, I appreciate it. And it has more to do with just it's fun to watch it grow that way and to know that, you know, I look forward to the day whenever that comes, you know, somebody totally out of the blue says something about about the tree actions podcast like you've probably experienced this with tree buzz they have no clue who you are but yet they know tree buzz and it's like well that's cool you know like and then you know you kind of started something and you've done something good there yeah um, for sure you know we often ask people in closing a, a question or two and i've been thinking about a lot of the ones we ask and, and you've answered a bunch of them already you just kind of did it on your own like what would you what would you tell a young climber to what they could do and you, you know you kind of said go to a competition and Tony, what you, yeah. you 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 got the you got the the insightful mind. What what's a what's a great closing question for for Mark? <laughs> uh, we had a, we had, um we got the put advice. him on the spot. Put him on the spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah throw me right under the bus. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know, Mark. I, I would think I, think I don't know if there's anything major, but you know, you look at a career as long as yours has been with the amount of longevity. If there's anything that you could turn the clock back on and maybe not regrets or change or do, but was there anything that you would have gone about differently to achieve a different mm. result? Good question. It's, I haven't really given that any thought, to be honest with you, too much, because I've always felt like the path is just what the path is, and it makes you where you are and who you are. But I guess the only thing I probably could say is maybe spend less time delaying doing things I know now were the right thing to do. Cause there's a lot of times I think in life we, we say, Oh, like I want to start a part podcast. This could be fun. And then how long does it take you to start it? And then now you're doing it, you realize, Oh, this is really a good thing. It's valued for other people and it's fun for me. And it's has a lot of, a lot of good, good things about it. It's very rewarding. And so I think about all the things that I, that I knew in my heart were the right things to do at the time, but I just thought it wasn't the right time or it wasn't the perfect time. And I think looking back now, if anyone's listening and, and in a position where they they think they're on to something that they should do or change or whatever, you know, you pretty much already know the answer. So just don't, don't delay it. Just jump right in and, and make that, make the move today, take a step and, and go towards what it is you're trying to, you think you should be doing. That's, wow. that's great advice. And it's like, yeah, basically if, if it's a matter of it, if when, not if, then just do it. Yeah. Just there's no, there's no, I don't think if, if nothing else, you listen to some of the, the greatest people in any aspect of what we talk about. It doesn't matter what it is the greatest business minds, greatest this, that the one thing they'll tell you is, you know, there really is no perfect time probably. So, you know, um, take a stab at it now and what's the worst that can happen is you fail but failure is not a bad thing either failure teaches you something you grow from failure and i don't think you grow more as a as an individual from from any achievement or any success i think you grow more from the failures and that's what drives the success in my opinion. yeah they say fail stands for first attempt in learning <laughs> yeah. yeah no doubt yeah yeah, yeah uh, yeah, I remember listening to, uh, I think it might have been a podcast or something like that. Might have been an interview. I can't remember. But the, what I do remember from it was the guys, the the main thrust of the message was 80%. When you're 80% yeah. sure of something, 
go because you're mm. never going to get a hundred, you know, like right. if you're that close, you may as well go for it because, and that's kind of what mm. you're saying when you were talking, Mark, it got me thinking, and it's so true, you know, hesitancy, you know, it, 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 it can cripple us or combine us. It's almost like that, that one thing that just can make or break the whole thing. If you just don't hesitate too long, right. If you're feeling it, yep. you know, how much do you think Mark, is it that, is it being in touch you know, I think when you when you when you've dared to try it a couple times, and and oftentimes through encouragement, like what happened with you and Sam, you learn to trust yourself after a few of those attempts, and even if it's a a fail, but it it grew you, and you can recognize the growth. It makes that that mm-hmm. learning to listen to that intuition, I guess, in, in ourselves, a little bit easier, maybe. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. And I think you build confidence, you know, incrementally. I don't think anybody gets all of a sudden becomes confident from one super, like one little event. It's more like, you know, you just build it over just grabbing and doing one thing that was hard to do, or you didn't think you could do it. You do another one and another one. Next thing you know, you just start to realize there's a lot of power in that. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, I guess a lot of optimism built in that too, that you really can achieve way more than you think you can once you start doing that stuff. And it, again, it's the failures too, right? You know, I, 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 uh, I, don't, I don't always point this out because I feel bad about it because it's, uh, you know, for, for my daughter's sake, because if she listens to this, but um, <laughs> one thing that it really paints the picture for me is uh, my daughter at, uh, years ago was trying to get into this really difficult academic program at school it's called fast track and what it meant is he would do her last two school years of high school in a community college uh, in one year they combine them and you go to college rather than high school for your last two years and you do it in one year and she took mm-hmm. these placement tests um there was two tests when she went to visit the college and she didn't know she was testing that day and she passed one and failed one and she failed it bad and i asked her she was really disappointed um, I said, well, you know, I said, I said, well, tell me about it. And she basically said, the per- she didn't know she was testing, blah, blah, blah. They took her in. She started sitting down, take a test. And, and after the results came back, the woman who was dealing with her, she was probably just a little overwhelmed. It was getting crunch time is what I remember about it. So she deserves a pass here. But she didn't believe my daughter had what it took to be part of this uh, program anymore. And kind of made her very sad about like, like she didn't really have what it took or wasn't good enough for it. I said, listen, I said, I said, do you, do you want to be part of this program? She said, yes. I said, do you think you tested as good as you can? Or you think you were unprepared or things were going on? She goes, no, I didn't know I was testing. I was a little anxious. There was a lot going on. I was getting student ideas and this and that and learning the school. And next thing I know I'm testing. So I said, well, you get a chance to retest. I, I wrote, looked at the rules. You get one retest. I said, Let's prepare, feel good about it, give it your best shot in three days, test again if you want to do this. And, you know, if you don't pass and you, you gave it your all and you have nothing to worry about, you feel good about it. And she, she failed the first time with a 48 out of 100. Mm-hmm. She came back at like an 89% the next two, three days later, same oh. test. And that built so much confidence in her and it taught her a valuable lesson. And you know what? It also taught the woman I was speaking about at the school this lesson because she became her her biggest like supporter and to help chaperone her in and actually convinced her to stay on at that school 
to do her associate's degree. And she did that in one year as well. She just was on a roll after that. So um, to me, it's a really cool feel good story, but it's, a, it's a, it's exactly what we're talking about is like, sometimes yeah. you, there's a shift that could happen in life. You could go this way or you could go that way. And sometimes it's something as simple as one person telling you something that makes a difference. And next thing you know, you, you see a different outcome than you saw prior to that in your mind, you know, the rest is history, as they say. Well, you know, what a great story. And thank you so much for sharing that. And I hope your daughter isn't too embarrassed. Mm -hmm. and, that, and I'm sure being your daughter that she'll accept it with grace and, and <laughs> knowing that it's help, that, that it's helping other people or story. Um, yeah. And what a, what an example of how, you know, the human forest has, is impacting your life and, and your family's life. And, and, you know, that it, it, it's kind of an ultimate tying it all together. Thank you for that. That's really cool. I appreciate it. Well, well, Mark, we reserve the right to, uh, to, to ask our guests if they would, if they would consider a sequel at some point down the road, we don't have a clue where exactly how long this thing's going to go on. Don't for, even ask. I could see. Don't even ask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I could Don't see even ask. I see if, you know, I'm on board. I'll do three of these. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. careful what you wish for. <laughs> well, Tony, is there anything you want to? Yeah, this has been great. Thank you so very much. I, 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 it's a real highlight in my day. We've been doing these. We record on Mondays, and sometimes you know my days I'm getting busy, and there's other stuff I got to do, and it's like, oh yeah, we got a podcast to do. And, but I'm always so energized afterwards. I'm always. It's just such a great experience, and and. You know, I just want to thank you for for all your stories and your your the the time you shared. It was wicked, really, really good. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, guys. Tony and uh, I want to thank you guys both for giving me the opportunity. I mean, I think you guys know it's just super rewarding to to go through these ideas, these memories that, and and maybe even help uh, somebody else some 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 encouragement along the way too. So. I appreciate what you guys are doing. I know I know the effort and um, I'm honored to be a part of it. Great, Mark. Now, Thank you, Mark. Thanks not just for today, but for everything through the years, man. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for everything. It's been, you've been, you've always been positive. You've always been encouraging. And uh, I've always, I've never, I've always appreciated it. So thank you, Mark. Uh -oh, thank you, guys. 